This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I'm joined by Federico Vitici. Hello, Fraser. I'm back, officially. Back. <laughs> officially back, yep. Officially back. And uh, you did a fantastic job with Ben on To Do. I knew that Thank you. Uh, when I got in touch with Ben, I was like, hey, do you want to do the show on To Do? Because I will, I will be on vacation. And I was thinking about what's the best person to talk about this. And of course, it's Ben. I've been following his journey as he's uh, mm-hmm. using To Do on his uh, excellent blog. And uh, yeah, definitely a good call to have Ben on the show. It yeah, was, it was... I, really, I really enjoyed it. It was a nice way to round out that little series, I think, uh, and I hope people have, have found it useful and, and people are now more productive than ever before on iOS, I'm sure. But tonight we're going to change gears a little bit and we're going to do more of a kind of ledger topic, perhaps, although mm-hmm. it definitely has uh, businessy applications as well, but we're not all business all the time here. So uh, <laughs> tonight's topic is uh, watching video on iOS. Yeah, now you yeah any, any kind the, of video. Yeah, <laughs> any kind of video, but this is... Uh, you might think this is, some people would say that this is the only thing an iPad is good for, but we uh, certainly beg to differ in this show. But uh, it's something that people, we, we thought that, well, first of all, people had asked us, you know, well, what about fun apps? What do you guys do for fun? Do you ever do anything for fun? <laughs> um, and yes, we do. Uh, and of course, I, um, I've i got three kids, so I'm very well versed in how to watch videos on iOS because that's uh, that's my number one tech support. I was joking with somebody recently that the, the only iOS device in our house that cannot be put on a beta version at all is the Apple TV because that is the most precious resource with the most demanding user who's a little girl of three who will not put up with it if Zootopia cannot be played at any time of the day or night. So uh, we're going to talk video on iOS tonight. All right. So the the, the first obvious place where uh, if you own an Apple device, uh, you can start for video is the iTunes store. However, my problem is, Fraser, I, I don't think I ever bought a vi- any kind of video from the iTunes store. I never bought a movie or a TV show. I, I pretty much, uh, the only video I download from iTunes is when Apple does the, the keynotes videos. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the, the only video I download through iTunes. As for anything else, I, I don't do iTunes video. Just because I, um, I prefer streaming and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Really, I, you know, I, it's not what I do. I don't like browsing iTunes, and uh, you know, I, I just, I'm just a Netflix person myself. So yeah, I, I kind of got my start in, you know, digital media from the era before streaming was even a thing, really, and particularly in the UK, because I don't know how how the markets played out in Italy, but in the UK, we were always kind of a bit late to the party with some of that stuff, and we're we're very well served now with you know Netflix and Amazon Prime Video and all those kind of things but uh, in the early days the iTunes store was the only place to get online video that wasn't you know somebody sending you a DVD through the post so I, I've got quite a kind of extensive library of, of uh, iTunes movies uh, most of which are accessed other ways now uh, but in, from time to time I've bought movies and done a lot of rentals as well in the past but uh, the iTunes store in iOS is not too bad all things considered, particularly in the UK. Uh, but uh, Federico, I know you haven't really, you've been more of a streaming guy, uh, but iTunes is, of course, built into every device and it's always there. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. Uh, something that can, uh, it's an easy one to start with, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I tried to to rent a video once many, many years ago. I'm not sure what I did, but basically I never got to watch the video itself because I, I, I don't think I either forgot that there was an expiration time or like I clicked play and then I 
pause the device. Anyway, when I, w- when I went back to watch it, I couldn't watch it. And so I just wasted my money. I was like, okay, I'm never going to rent a video on iTunes again. Uh, maybe, I don't know. It was totally my fault, but it was, uh, I got burned once and I never tried again. Uh, that said, uh, in addition to iTunes, Something that a lot of people don't know is that you can watch video clips on Apple Music as well. So, uh, you know, when artists do music videos, uh, they they used to make more sense in the age of MTV, you know, the the video clip for a song. But now that basically everyone does a YouTube video. But as it turns out, uh, you can find most of the video clips for popular hits on Apple Music as well. Now, the the video playing interface in Apple Music kind of sucks. It's pretty much terrible. Uh, there are no proper landscape controls. I'm pretty sure that until iOS 9, maybe even iOS 10, I gotta check again, but uh, landscape video was not supported at all. So you could only watch a video import to it mm-hmm. on the iPhone, which was honestly terrible. But still, you know, popular songs and video clips, you can find those on uh, on Apple Music as well. Mm-hmm. And you're you're an Apple Music subscriber, yeah? Um, well, actually, I'm an Apple Music and Spotify subscriber. Okay. <laughs> Don't ask me why. It's probably going to save this for another show. But Well, on yeah. average, we both subscribe to one, one service because yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't subscribe <laughs> yes. to any of them. <laughs> the only thing I've got is, um, and just as, as a byproduct of being a member, is Amazon Prime Music, which I've been uh, using quite a lot recently to listen to the Hamilton soundtrack, which has kind of become a bit addictive uh, to listen to. So, yeah, the... The, we could do a music a whole show and music streaming services as well, but uh, yeah, there's definitely content in both places on on from the Apple services. So the the obvious uh, next step, if you don't want to use iTunes, is to start streaming video. And there are some obvious choices again: Netflix, which is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick aside. I have a Netflix US and Netflix Italy account. Uh, the reason I do this is I keep two separate profiles because on the US you can get more TV shows, you can get more movies, and the Italian database is more limited. So because I all of my TV shows and movies that I watch with my girlfriend usually, we watch them in English without subtitles because it's something that we just got used to it. And uh, on Netflix you can, you can control the audio and subtitle settings uh, both in the US, of course, and in Italy. But the Italian version it just doesn't have a lot of the stuff that you can find in the US. So to access Netflix US, I used to do it with Cloak, you know, the VPN app mm-hmm. for um, iOS. I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, Netflix kind of... Um, cracked down on these VPN services because they knew that people were like accessing the service internationally. So I haven't tried lately because I haven't been watching Netflix US lately. Uh, but if you used to access Netflix US with the VPN, some rules have changed. So make sure to try it again if you if you do. Anyway, uh, Netflix is my is my favorite. But I also got to tell you, Fraser, uh, in Italy, uh, the public television network uh you know that we have two major networks and they both have um, ios apps now so you can stream live television on your ios devices and uh so for those instances where like there's i don't know the olympics or Mm -hmm. some tv program that i don't want to miss you can stream it on the phone and the ipad 
Uh, and also, um, my dad is a Sky subscriber, you know, the satellite okay. TV. Mm-hmm. And my dad doesn't know about this, but actually I <laughs> enabled Sky Go on his account. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that he's paying an extra every <laughs> month, but he, he doesn't know. I hope he doesn't listen. He doesn't listen to the show. He doesn't know. So uh, anyway, he's getting charged for Sky Go access. Uh, Sky Go is the iOS app to access um, Sky content on iOS. Works okay. The interface is kind of terrible, but hey, it's streaming. H- it's HD, so, you know. He doesn't know about it, so I'm cool. There's an extra. Yep. And of course, the the other big player in streaming video, at least in the UK, is the BBC iPlayer app, which has been on iOS for years and years and years, a phone app, iPad app, and and works really well, uh, even over 3G and so on. You you can download um, videos offline with that app as well. Um, And you can also, there's now an Apple TV app as well. And that was one of the things that was always kind of uh, uh, the Achilles heel of the Apple TV in the UK was that you couldn't get iPlayer natively on the Apple TV and now you can and, and it's fantastic so uh, that's another uh, big service and I mean iPlayer is so huge in the UK I mean it's it's to the point now where like the service providers are complaining to the BBC about the existence of iPlayer because it's straining their network so much and you can noticeably see it because you know where our school is uh, in, in the town we are in the middle of a very residential area and when we were talking to to our internet service provider on the phone, they were like, well, yeah, you know, you guys might as well just go for it with your network because there's nobody else in, in that area using it at the time of day. And they said, and then the guy said, but you should see it when they come home at night and watch iPlayer. It just goes through the roof. So uh, that's, uh, you can noticeably see that on your broadband performance in the UK now that when people start watching iPlayer in the evenings, everything just goes to pot. So, yep, uh, we're well served for that as well. Uh, is Amazon Prime Video a big thing in Italy, Federico? Um, I don't know anyone who uses Prime Video. I'm not sure it even exists in Italy, yeah. actually. I, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, Because a lot of the Prime software services are not available here. At least they used to not be available here. So, so th- that is in the UK, and of, of course it is in the US as well, uh, along with the, the, the Fire TV stick and things like that as well. And there are iOS apps. And the Amazon Prime, in the UK at least, speaking for the UK Netflix catalogue, um, the Amazon Prime catalogue, I think, is actually better for movies in the UK than, than the Netflix catalogue. But the other thing that Amazon has in their favour, along with iPlayer, is that they let you download content to watch offline. So if you're travelling you know, on a flight or something, uh, or just away from your home broadband, then Prime Video and, and iPlayer are two great ways to be able to download stuff to your iOS device. Now you're going to want a big iOS device for this, so your 128 gig or even 256 gig iPad if you're going away for a long time is going to be helpful there. But uh, those two services do let you. But of course, as with Amazon, with all things Amazon, they have these great features and then they let people put limitations on it. So, for example, I discovered that you can't download more than 20 individual items at once to one device. Uh, or actually to any device on your account because I was trying to download like both seasons of Mr. Robot or something and that added up to more than 20 items so I couldn't cash the whole of two seasons in one go. So there are small limitations but in general if you want to download a couple of movies or whatever uh, Prime Videos is a pretty good option as well. So no, no discussion of watching video on iOS will be complete without a mention of the big player no pun intended, which is YouTube. <laughs> and everybody watches video on YouTube, whether it's your kids or your friends or yourself. Uh, I mean, it's the video streaming service for, you know, any kind of video on the web. And there's an official YouTube app uh, on iOS. It's kind of decent. Mm-hmm. Um, does what you expect it to do. Uh, it's got a bunch of features that are not available to third-party clients because those also exist. Um 
it doesn't support picture in picture, which is one of the new video playing features that Apple introduced last year, but it supports uh, split view multitasking. So uh, if you want to keep YouTube going next to another app, like a Twitter client, say you want to follow a YouTube live stream, for example, and want to keep Twitter open, you can do that. It's just you're forced to have YouTube on one side of the iPad because you cannot do picture in picture. Also, uh, YouTube has a of course, a few exclusive features when it comes to account management, when it comes to search, but I don't really understand a lot of the interface choices of the YouTube app. For example, I still think uh, they introduced a redesign last year, and since that new design, it became so difficult to start a new search, uh, because you gotta swipe up to reveal the search bar, then you gotta type inside. It's a very odd interface, and I guess it it's odd because uh, Google is trying to force Android UI metaphors onto iOS because of their material design, and so they're not they're not trying to be you know to be consistent with the iOS design language. So it's very different. It's very different. But then again, it's a free app, uh, lets you do what you expect, and also if you're uh, YouTube what's it called, YouTube Red subscriber, uh, you access a bunch of other exclusive features, such as the ability to skip ads, I think, and to f- to f- check out YouTube music. Uh, but I'm, I'm no expert because, uh, again, it's limited to, to the US and I cannot use it in Italy at all uh, because Google you know, uh, knows my Italian account and I don't have a US credit card to, to pay YouTube Red with. Uh, I want to mention about third-party clients two of my favorite picks. The first one is called ProTube, and it's the equivalent of TweetBot for YouTube. Basically, it's the third-party app for iOS power users who love YouTube. Uh, It's got a different interface, which makes more sense, if you ask me, uh, with this beautiful sidebar that makes it easy to check out your uh, subscriptions, different categories on YouTube to check out what's trending, and you can customize a lot of the aspects of the experience. You can choose... um, a lot of uh, video quality settings. Uh, the interface makes more sense. Uh, there's picture-in-picture support. The sharing with the iOS extensions doesn't take too many taps, like it does on YouTube. And it's really uh, the 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 I I think my favorite and the best third-party client for YouTube. And it's getting much better with iOS 10. And in fact, I'm going to mention ProTube, the iOS 10 update in my iOS 10 review. That's just a small teaser because there's a feature that I really like. Um, the second app is Corner Tube. Corner Tube lets you quickly open a YouTube link into Picture in Picture. So it works like a, like a widget. I'm pretty sure there's also an extension. So anytime you open, you copy a YouTube link, whether it's a YouTube.com or a YouTube.be, which is the short link. Mm-hmm. Um, you open Corner Tube and it automatically fetches the YouTube video and it opens picture in picture. So it takes really few steps to go from a YouTube link, say one that you found on a Facebook post or a tweet, and to start watching that video in picture in picture on iOS. It's really well done, really clever. Yeah, and there are also um, workflows for the app workflow that can download from YouTube and save to places like Photos and Document Provider and so on. Uh, there are a number of those available. If you look on the 
the workflow catalog. They've got a number of YouTube downloaders in there as well, uh, which can be quite useful, particularly in situations like you're you're traveling again. There's maybe a long video. Uh, I've used them in the past to download. Do you remember the the code conference went on recently? There was a great interview with Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, and I so I, I grabbed all of those for a flight. And I was going to the states the the week after that, and uh, that was that was quite a useful tool to have in your in your arsenal if you need it as well. Yeah, I definitely spent way too much time trying to automate YouTube links with Workflow. Uh, but what I ended up doing is I have a... <laughs> this is, of course, something... As I'm ta- as I'm saying this, I realize, is it, of course, I've been doing this. <laughs> I have a Workflow in Editorial to automate the process of turning YouTube links into HTML embeds that okay. I can use on Mac Stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure that I shared this uh, editorial workflow on Mac Stories in the past. If I, I, I'm going to try to find the link. Um, you know, it's been a while since editorial was last updated, so I got to look back in the archives. Um, now, for something entirely different. Sometimes you don't want to use iTunes, you don't want to stream video, you don't want to go to YouTube, you want to self-host your own media. Now, uh, let me just say, Fraser, uh, we're going to mention torrents, but for uh, what's our excuse this time? Uh, Home movies? Home movies, yes. Home movies is the same excuse that we used on Connected, I think, and on (laughs) Canvas before. So we're just going to stick with home movies. So if you want to to watch all of your home movies uh, (laughs) uh, uh, by self-hosting them, uh, there's a few different solutions. Now, I know that you're a fan of Plex, mm-hmm. and I've recently rediscovered Plex, but I feel like I'm still a newbie, so please tell me more. Yeah, so it, it was my other podcast partner, Bradley, on, on Out of School. He's been into Plex for years, and he got me into it. Um, and he runs, <laughs> he describes it as Bradley Flicks, which he runs uh, from his house. Because we, we live in Chattanooga, they have unbelievable internet there. So he's like, yeah, yeah, here, I'll share my, my Plex server with you. Um, and what Plex is, is it's a server component and the number of client apps. So you, if you are, this section is called self-hosting. So you've got to run this Plex server somehow. Um, most people would typically run it on a Mac Mini. But it does run on certain other things as well, including the NVIDIA Shield games console, apparently. That, that you can get that and use that as a Plex server as well. Uh, but the clients run on many platforms. There are iOS clients, Android clients. Um, there's now one for Apple TV as well, which is kind of an obvious thing to do. But And it's great that they've done it. They've done a really, really good job of of the Apple TV app as well. So... The, the way it works is you, you download the Plex server component, you run it on your machine, and you point it to a number of different folders on disk. So I have a, a Mac Mini at home with a, a two terabyte disk, or a, just a USB disk, USB 2, it doesn't have to be more than that. And what I do is I've just got folders for you know, kids' movies, home movies, um, and audio and things like that, including it, I point it at my iTunes library as well. So it can also handle music. Plex is a very integrated media solution. So you can have your home movies, uh, your kids' movies or whatever, your music, different things like that. And also your photos as well. If, if you're looking for another another photo hosting solution, you can actually use Plex for that too. And then once your server's up and running and it's logged into your Plex account, you sign into your Plex account on your client devices, your iP- your iPhone, your iPad, your Apple TV, and you, it will actually uh, route you back to your home server over the internet. So uh, you can actually access, you can stream from your house if you like. If you've got enough uplo- upload bandwidth, 
uh, which I'm not too badly served. I think I have maybe five megabits up. And that works perfectly well for both uh, audio and video streaming up from my house to the internet to my, my devices, wherever they are. Uh, so what I've done there is I've archived like old DVDs because we've moved from you know DVD player, TV, all that stuff through to just having a TV panel and an Apple TV and the Plex app. So all my DVDs have had to kind of be archived onto there so the kids can still access them and watch them and so on. So that's my my Plex setup, um, and you can do it that way. Uh, I've I've heard of I don't know anybody doing it, but I have heard of that you can get like hosted Plex as well. So, you know, in a co-location facility somewhere, you can get hosted Plex if you want. But I, I don't have much to say for that. One really nice thing about Plex, two really nice things about Plex, actually, for travel again, is that you can download whatever it is you've got on your Plex server, uh, cache it locally for travel as well. But you can also change the quality, right? So the Plex server can actually re-encode the file at, at lower quality. So, for example, if you have... Uh, kids who maybe have 16 gig iPads and you want to crunch a few more things on there, you can uh, you can say, okay, sync this at low quality or medium or high or, or full quality. Uh, and the server will actually re-encode the video file before it sends it down to your device. Now that takes a while, right? So don't do what I do and do it the night before you travel, which is what I'm all, so the last thing I'm always doing when we're traveling with the kids is I'm sitting there at like 11 o'clock at night watching Plex try to re-encode Frozen for the fifth time. Um, <laughs> but in, in general, it it works very well. Um, in more recent versions, you can also say to Plex, um, actually, I want you to pre-re-encode these things. So I want to keep these at different levels of quality so that I don't have to wait uh, when I want to cache them again. So things like that. Um, I have, we're big fans of the West Wing in our house, for example. Uh, and I have the the entire box set of the West Wing, but no way to play it anymore because I don't have a DVD player. But I have them all set up in Plex, in Plex on my server. It does a really good job as well of handling like multi-season TV shows and things like that. Um, and you don't have to spend a ton of time, like iTunes going into all the ID3 tags and stuff like that. You don't have to spend a ton of time. If you just name the file in a reasonable fashion, Plex will also go and interrogate various internet sources to find metadata about your files without you having to do it manually, right? So you don't have to groom every file to make it perfect so that they all sort in the right order, which is what you used to spend hours doing in iTunes back in the day. Uh, Plex will just mostly figure it out for you, which is, is what makes it so awesome. Yeah. So my my experience is a little different, but also similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a I don't use a Mac as a home server uh, because I bought a Synology uh, last year. I have a DS two fourteen Play, mm-hmm. which it's not the best Synology model that you can get, but it was cheap enough on Amazon. Uh, for example, it doesn't support. Um, Hard, hardware decoding. Uh, so p- sometimes when you when you try to play a video, uh, it's not supported. But I and I need to use uh, another player on iOS like VLC. But it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Synology has two, uh, four terabyte drives in RAID. So you know if there's, there's a problem occurs on the first drive, there's a the second drive ready ready to go. And I use uh, the this uh, NAS. Uh, primarily for backups with Time Machine, but also for entertainment, uh, because I keep movies, TV shows, and um, some music that I cannot access uh, through streaming services on this uh, home server. And Synology has uh, 
an official DS video app that they offer, which is kind of like Plex in the sense that uh, you put your TV shows and movies in folders in a specific location and you point the DS video app to that location. You don't have to do any renaming of the TV show episodes, even if it's multiple seasons or movies yourself, because they look at like the file name, some kind of metadata tags, and the, the DS video service figures out like the title, the episode number, and all the other metadata uh, by itself and like Plex it's it's very much uh, it's it's pretty in the sense that it pulls in uh, official artwork um, background cast information and it's very useful so I've been watching a lot of the TV series uh, with the DS video apps and uh, like I mentioned uh, my model uh, of the D- uh, the DS 2 for team play doesn't support the uh, hardware decoding for different multiple video formats so usually uh what i need to do is i need to remember to have mp4 files if i want to stream them directly with the ds video app but if i forget or if you know if i don't want to deep to you know convert uh mkv files for example to mp4 i can just uh, take advantage of one of the features of ds video on ios which is Every time you tap on a video, if it cannot be played uh, by DS Video, there's a menu that says, we cannot play this video, but do you want to open it in VLC or Infuse Pro? So VLC, of course, super popular video player. It's free, Mm -hmm. it's functional, it gets the job done. But Infuse Pro is a beautiful uh, video player app. Supports any video format on the planet. It's, I'd say, I think, one of the few apps with official Dolby integration on iOS. So if you have, you know, if you have specific requirements about audio, uh, that's supported uh, in Infuse Pro. And it looks fantastic. And both apps can stream directly from your uh, NAS on your uh, home network. And also because of, you know, the Synology has a bunch of features to access over the internet, um, that can also be done with uh, VLC, for example, when I'm not at home, if I want to stream a movie or a TV show uh, with 4G, I can do that. So what I recently discovered, Fraser, is that um, my home modem from my ISP supports what is called dynamic DNS, mm-hmm. which is these services that let you set up a host name, like a personalized host name that, uh, that is automatically updated with your public IP address. So I don't have a static IP address because my, you know, my ISP changes it every X hours. However, my modem from the ISP can update these dynamic DNS services automatically whenever the uh, the public IP changes so that I can just point uh, services or my web browser to the same host name and I will still connect locally to my home network. So I... I talked about this in uh, Mac Stories, uh, in the Club Mac Stories newsletter, the monthly log this week. Uh, basically, uh, and I detailed the whole process there. Uh, basically, I set up a host name to access my Synology externally. So now I don't have to log in, um, you know, with the, I don't have to check my IP address and I don't have to set up, a, you know, a specific host name with the Synology service. I set up a host name um, that I can use for my PS4, for example, for mm-hmm. remote play uh, nice. that I can use for the DS video and that I can also use for Plex because I realized, you know, why why am I not using Plex? Why am I not trying Plex? So I'm tr- kind of trying Plex again, kind of getting acquainted with the changes because I used to be a huge Plex fan until 
couple of years ago. And then I kind of stopped using Plex for some reason, and I'm checking it out again, and it's very different from, from what I remember, but mm-hmm. they, they have some really great new additions, such as uh, one that is kind of silly, but I love it. Uh, you, can, you can choose to... Uh, to display to show a movie tra- trailer before watching a movie kind of like when you're at the cinema that, <laughs> that they sh- so in the app you can say show me x number of trailers before watching the movie so it's kind of like sitting down in the theater before the actual Get movie the popcorn starts as well okay yes, just exactly. can't make popcorn i mean what kind of feature is that missing you know yeah just making popcorn yeah. in the kitchen and yeah. watching trailers with plex so it's a really really great service and of course there's a Plex Pass subscriptions, mm-hmm. which unlock a bunch of different functionalities, and I'm yes. also looking into those. I think what, one of the features that we've mentioned is actually a Plex Pass feature, which is the ability to cache uh, videos offline. I think that's a Plex Pass feature. I, when I first started using Plex, I bought their Lifetime Pass, which I think it was cheaper then than, than it is now. But even so, that has provided just so much value. Uh, and if you, Plex also supports things like, for example, um, in my home setup, when we've got the Apple TV. Um, you can have multiple users set up on the Apple TV and you can also have what's called a managed user. So we have it set up so that um, all the kids' movies belong to this managed user uh, on the Apple TV. They don't belong to it, but they're accessible to that user so that when the kids go into the Plex app on the Apple TV, they can only access the kids' movies folder and they can't uh, access all the other movies that maybe aren't age-appropriate for them at this time. So uh, that's another great feature in, in Plex that you can control that and, and that's way better than you can do in itunes right because all, all you can do in itunes is enforce the age rating but uh, then that affects can every user on the apple tv so uh, plex of you can put it behind a pin code as well so that they, they, you need to put in a pin code on the apple tv to get to uh, certain libraries belonging to certain users as well so yeah tons and tons of features there if you want to do it with video plex is a pretty good choice can i tell you about a sponsor yeah let's do that so this week's episode is brought to you by Pingdom. Start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com slash canvas. You'll get a 14-day trial, and when you enter the offer code canvas at checkout, you get 20% off your first invoice. So Pingdom is focused on making the web faster and more reliable for everyone who has a site. And they do this by offering powerful and easy-to-use tools and services. For example, if you're a Pingdom user, monitoring the availability and performance of your server, website, or database will be a breeze. Pingdom take care of this by using more than 70 global test servers to emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. These days, websites are becoming more and more sophisticated and often include several dependencies such as contact forms, e-commerce checkouts, logins, search functionality, and loads more. So Pingdom makes it possible to monitor the availability of all these key interactions that people are going to have with your site. Because it's not just about the whole site anymore. Stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Every month, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages, and that's more than 400,000 a day. So regardless of whether you've got a small website or you're managing a complete infrastructure, it's super important to monitor that availability and performance. So all Pingdom needs is a URL, the one you want to monitor, and they take care of the rest. And when Pingdom detects an outage, you'll be immediately alerted so you can fix the error before the downtime affects you. You don't want to be caught out when someone wants to access your site, so you need Pingdom. Check it out today, and you'll be the first to know when your site is down. Go to pingdom.com slash canvas for a 14-day free trial and use the code canvas to get 20% off at checkout. And we thank Pingdom so much for sponsoring Canvas this week. 
Now, Federico, I was thinking I should probably start using Pingdom for my Plex server because <laughs> every week <laughs> what I, it lives under the desk where I record podcasts. So I shut it down for the podcast and then I forget to turn it on again because it's under the desk. So I, I need to get Pingdom onto that just to keep my Plex server up and running. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> okay, so those are some of the big software options for, for playing video. Uh, we wanted to mention as well some ways in which you can get video onto big screens through iOS devices. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. have a couple of options here. And of course, we've mentioned already, number one is Apple TV. Uh, so what you can do with Apple TV is you can airplay video to your TV. And at least in a small network situation, that's quite reliable. Um, there are most apps uh, that support uh, video streaming will actually have AirPlay controls in the user interface somewhere. You'll see the little AirPlay icon. You can tap it. You can choose whatever Apple TV you have in the house. But uh, some apps don't support that, actually. So what you can do there is you can actually, if you AirPlay your whole screen, then quite often that app will also work with that as well. If you don't have an Apple TV, uh, but you do have a television set, another way that you can do this is you can use the Apple Lightning to HDMI adapter. And that works really well as well because it has a power pass-through. So you plug that into your iPhone, plug it into HDMI on your TV, just change the, change the input on your TV. And then if you're watching a long-running movie or something, you might want to plug in a power adapter to keep your device alive as well. But that's a, a good option for the, those rare video apps that really don't work with AirPlay or if you don't have an Apple TV. Nice, yeah. Uh, another option, that at least one that I like, uh, I bought a Chromecast mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. So the Chromecast is a little HDMI uh, adapter from Google that lets you... It's kind of like an Apple TV that you plug into directly in your television and it looks like a USB stick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's basically a way... Initially, it was a way to send YouTube video to your TV more easily. But now it's got direct integration with uh, different services and it's become more of a protocol rather than just a USB device. Um Basically, you can connect, uh, of course, YouTube, but also Netflix, Plex, uh, and there's a there's a directory of apps uh, on the Chrome, on the official Chromecast app uh, for iOS that you can browse and see which apps support sending video to the Chromecast. And uh, in fact, I think uh, sending video it's called casting, which is also yeah. now so it's yeah it's mm-hmm. all these different verbs from yeah. these companies. <laughs> uh, anyway, you can cast <laughs> from a few services now, and uh, including I. I think it's new this week. There's direct support in Google Chrome. So you can okay. now cast uh, video directly from your browser to your TV through the Google Chromecast. It's a fun device. You know, I got the first, uh, the original model. Google had a bunch of redesigns, I think. There's now one that is called Chromecast Audio, maybe. It looks like a colored circle yeah, that you plug just, into your TV. Yeah, for speakers, isn't it? Yeah, that's for yeah. speakers. But the YouTube in- integration, I gotta tell you, Fraser, it's pretty much it's pretty great. You mm-hmm. know, uh, it's super easy when you're browsing YouTube on the phone. Uh, there's a Chromecast icon. You tap that, and it goes off to the to the Chromecast. In my experience, casting video uh, from YouTube to the Apple TV, it's much better uh, than AirPlay uh, from Apple. Yeah, Chrome- Chromecast is crazy reliable, and it's important to kind of understand that the conceptual difference between the Apple TV and the Chromecast, because all of these devices are on your Wi-Fi, right? But what's happening with Apple TV is that you're, you're downloading the video stream to your device, your iPhone or your iPad, and then you're streaming that video back from there to the Apple TV. Whereas what happens with the Chromecast is that the Chromecast is able to stream directly from the internet itself. 
So the reason they call it casting is because what you're doing is you're, you're sending a command from your device to the Chromecast that just says, hey, here, here's a video stream on the internet. Could you just maybe start downloading that and play it on the TV? And what your device is doing is it's just sending it the control commands, basically. Your device is acting like a remote control and a queue. So in YouTube, for example, you can put other things into the TV queue and then the app will cast that next to your Chromecast as well. So it's it's doing a different thing and it's nice because um, like with AirPlay, when say you're AirPlay in like a football match or something, you can't really use your phone while the AirPlay is going on in case you sort of interrupt the stream whereas only some of the best apps can survive that. Um, whereas with the Chromecast, you just say, hey, start casting Netflix or whatever. Then you walk away with your phone and the movie will just continue to play, which is, is really, really cool um, and very helpful. Uh, also in situations like in school, where I, I've sometimes I've got a Chromecast in my classroom and if I'm you know playing something from YouTube or something, I can start it from my phone, but then I can also like, use my phone while, uh, while the video is going on in the class, for example. Yeah, another um, service um, that I saw mentioned a lot lately for TV is called Channels. So Channels is available on tvOS and iOS. And it's an app that lets you watch, uh, pause, and rewind live television on your Apple TV, on your iPhone, and on your iPad. And it basically, it requires um, this piece of hardware that I'm not really familiar with in Italy. Maybe it's more popular in the US and the UK. It's called the HD Home Run. It's an adapter that you plug into your television, okay. and that you—it's like a standard that uh, you mm-hmm. can access uh, from other apps. And channels is an interface for this HD home run system. And okay. judging from the video, from the screenshots, and from the feature set, it looks amazing. I mean, the mm. interface is super polished. Uh, there's support for a bunch of additional features like closed captions, HD quality streaming for live television on your iPad. There's a program guide. Um, there's integration with other iOS frameworks. Um, you can mark channels as favorites. There's accessibility support, surround sound. It's very full-featured and it looks amazing. Uh, but still, you gotta you got to have this HD home run uh, hardware. And I looked it up on Amazon and it was quite expensive on Amazon Italy. Uh, but I also got to do more research because... Uh, I see on the website there's there's a, a list of supported devices for North America and international users. Okay. And for international users, there's two different models of this HD home run. Um, it looks like a set-top box, basically. Okay. Uh, one is called the Connect, and the other is called the Expand. So I got to make sure the, that maybe the cheapest one, uh, if I can get it in Italy for a cheap price, maybe... The, because the last time I looked, it was like 400 euros on Amazon, which is like, yeah. okay, that's a bit too much. Uh, yeah. But maybe I can I can find something else. Yeah, it seems like the kind of thing that you, I, I may know it by a different name, a different brand name in the UK or something like that. I haven't heard of that before, but uh, it does look like an interesting app. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I don't watch a lot of live television, but the idea of being able to watch live television without the terrible interface of the apps that I mentioned before, like the network apps, that would be really nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially the ability to rewind or rewatch something. Yeah. 
Uh, Fraser, I thought before we end the show, a couple of, uh, of uh, honorable mentions for mm-hmm. watching video on iOS. Something that is really popular uh, with uh, with people who play video games is watching other people uh, play video games. And there are two major services for live video game streaming. The first one is called Twitch, which is now owned by Amazon, if okay. I remember correctly. Yep. And the other is YouTube Gaming, because of course YouTube is going after this market. Uh, there are Two native apps for iOS. People spend a lot of time with it. Uh, you can watch uh, the front page of Twitch to discover, you know, streamers who are playing popular video games. You can do the same on YouTube gaming. And those are two really two very fine solutions. If you want to watch video game streaming, download the app on your iOS device and you're good to go. Uh, also, if you want to be a little more, let's say, hardcore, and you want to download a movie file or a TV show uh, directly on your device, mm-hmm. of course, you can use a file manager. Uh, you're not forced to use a video app. You can use something like Documents or Goodreader because yep. those apps comes, come with video players built in. And mm-hmm. in fact, I want to mention uh, one of the first file managers for iOS that came out uh, many, many years ago called iFiles was uh-huh. recently updated to version 2. So iFiles... 2 is available on the App Store as a new version. I bought the app immediately because I used to be a huge fan of iFiles. It's one of the very few apps with support for Rackspace, which is the CDN that we use on Mac stories. Okay. But the problem is I still ha- didn't have time to <laughs> check out the app because I've been so busy with the review. So I'm going to just tell our Canvas listeners to go check out iFiles 2. It's a very powerful file manager. I, I remember its first version very well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, last thing I was going to mention, Federico, was that I've sometimes actually used the Photos app to store videos that I want to watch as well. Um, it's not great for that, to be honest with you, um, particularly for long videos. Like I mentioned that thing earlier where I downloaded a couple of YouTube videos of, of long interviews with uh, uh, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and people like that, and they were sort of 40-minute videos. And, I mean, Photos handled the video fine. It, that wasn't the issue. But it's just the, the the way the player works in Photos. So you have that swiping gesture to go between videos and photos when you're browsing. Um, if you're handling your iPad at all and you're watching this 40-minute video and you accidentally bump the screen, it's going to go to the next video. And then when you go back, it's lost your place because it, does, it doesn't support um, keeping your place in a long video. So it's, um, it's not a great solution for that. It's, it's something that... It might seem like a good thing to do, but it can be pretty rough at times. The other issue is if you use iCloud Photo Library, for example, your videos could get migrated to the cloud without you knowing. So you get on the plane and your videos are no longer there. So uh, just something to bear in mind as well if you are using any kind of downloading uh, that offers you to put it in the Photos app, maybe put it into put it into Documents or Goodreader instead. Nice. All right. Yeah. Great. So that is us uh, all set for the weekend. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> yes. Our leisure options have been fully outlined <laughs> there. Um, so that's that's our show and watching video on iOS uh, for this week. You can find the show notes for this show at relay.fm/canvas/18, and you can connect with us on Twitter at underscore canvasfm. Uh, I'm Fraser Spears on Twitter, and Federico is Vitici. We'll see you next time.